This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here. Hope you liked the last two weeks of replay episodes. Really love that chat with Rebecca Sugar. Really couldn't believe how nice it was to speak with Trevon Free. But now it is the 100th episode, and so a new one comes your way. This week with Adam Rapon. He's amazing. If you watched the last Olympics and cried your eyes out every time you saw him skate across the screen, then you might be me. Because that's how I responded to him. I couldn't believe I got a chance to actually sit down face to face and speak to this person who really is inspiring to me. And I hope you enjoy this chat. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on, darling. I know, I know, I know it's careless. Opened. <laughs> Ready for liftoff. I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Adam Rippon. Ooh, yes. <laughs> yes. Do um, I, should I add something to that or? I feel like it's interesting to see what people say about themselves. Okay. So you can't, I mean, anything that you would like to say, if you don't, if you don't end up talking any more about yourself, I, the host will ask the questions that reveal those facts. Okay. All right. That sounds good. So I'm Adam Rippon. Um, I'm an Olympic medalist figure skater. How does, it, how does that feel to say that? Weird. It feels like I'm lying. Um, you know, it's one of those things that you dream about saying your whole life and that I actually get to say it is um, now I just feel like a liar. Sure. Do you do you get the chance to say that very often? Because I feel like a lot of times maybe somebody's introducing you or they know who you are or or whatever. Like, do you actually get to say that out of your own mouth? No, it's usually someone else's mouth. Right. Um, but when I do, <laughs> when I do talk about the Olympics, it does still feel like, did I really go? And I did go. Mm-hmm. I can confirm that. I saw you. I have pictures of me next to you on the <laughs> TV um, because that's how excited I was to watch you skate. Oh, I, that's so sweet. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, it made a huge difference to me mm. as a person. Um, you know, in this country as a queer person, as somebody who like grew up being an, a big jock and around sports all the time, yeah. it meant so much to me to see you and the way that you carried yourself oh, and, thank you. and how out you were and how also like fucking charming you were. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, I found was that um, I think sometimes in sports, especially, you don't want to be perceived as weak. And sometimes I think as a gay man, you are, there's this preconceived notion that you're weak or that you'll crumble or you can't handle the the pressure. You're not as strong as somebody who would go out there and look like they trained for the movie 300, um, which I do look like I trained for 300. Well, I mean, here's the real facts, though. <laughs> Let me talk about the real facts about this. Yeah. This is also sort of a thing that falls uh, like male figure skater, maybe even a gymnast, and definitely also like uh, a diver. ballerino. Ball- yeah, yeah, <laughs> a ballerino. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's the sport is so beautiful, 
Or the activity There's is like so a beautiful. shame to be involved in the arts as a man. Yes. It's like, if you're in the arts, gay. Yeah. And also, um, I was going to say, like, really ignoring the athleticism. Like, yes. really focusing on sort of sometimes the, you know, whatever, the, the like, wrists of it all and right. not necessarily like the butt of you right you know like you are you focus are, on my butt you are not actually, on my wrists <laughs> but you are actually like a soup you know you are a a world-class athlete Did, mm. is that something that you feel um you know about yourself or i think i still find it funny to call myself like a world-class athlete especially like now like you know i have a cold brew lacroix and a water in front of me <laughs> You know, like the days are, my elite days were over. Um, but I, when I was competing, I think um, what I did find was that like when I was my best self as an athlete, I was out. And it was because I felt um, really in control of what I was doing. And I think as a closeted athlete, I felt like I didn't want to be perceived as anything other than just, you know, somebody who did everything everybody told them to. So I tried to follow those guidelines. And when I was listening to more of what I thought I should do, um, is when I took control and like ownership of who I was as an athlete and as a person. And it made me so much better. That makes sense to me also because you are in a field where it seems so um, integral to to emote. Like mm -hmm. you're picking this music and then your face has to match that, especially if you're on TV. But I think even if for the judges, you know, you're, you have to be like giving them not just um, your athleticism, but also your essentially like an actor. Yeah. You know, um, I saw this quote. Um, I, I hope I don't say her name wrong. Lapita Nyong'o. Is that I think you've nailed it. I <laughs> All right, hey Lapita, um, I know you're listening. I um, she said this quote, and it said that as an actor, she has to know herself really well so she can interpret other characters through her. So if she doesn't know herself well, how can she interpret somebody else's story? Right. And I remember reading that quote, and this was years before the Olympics, and being like, she's so right. Yes. If you if you can't really um showcase who you are or show who you are, how can you interpret another story? I, I think that's, I mean, I certainly feel that way as a comic a lot mm. of times if I'm told, I mean, the number of times in my career I've been told, like, uh, you don't need to talk about being gay or like that could be removed. People almost encouraging this idea of like, be a blank slate. Yes. Be straight. Like straight as a, but my blank slate is gay. Right. So like there, actually, uh, straightness is a layer if I put that on, on top of me. Yeah. So like what, I think what you're talking about is how, I mean, how else it's could exactly you be direct? It's exactly the same. Yeah. When you're, you know, as a comic, when you're in front of an audience, um, the humor is really, um, in that stripped down layer of who we are as humans. Yeah. And, um, if you can't strip it down all the way to its core, it's not funny. And it feels fake. It's just a yes. story. It's not comedy. Right. Yeah, exactly. How aware are you of your face when you're performing? I'm very curious about that. Um, I mean, not performing. That's not what I do. When you're skating. Yeah. Competing. Performing. Competing. Yeah. yeah it's, oh, would you use the word performing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I I'll go with it. Yeah. I'll yeah. bring it. I'll skating, bring it to the competing, When you're the jocking boardroom. around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Uh, Pretty aware. I think when I was like training, like every day I would make sure that I like practice what my face was doing. And basically it was just like, you know, you keep a relaxed face because y you get so tired 
like our free skate is four and a half minutes. I would get exhausted about a minute 30 in. Wow. So from about like a minute 30 to the next three minutes, I just pretend that I didn't feel like I was going to have like, you know, when people die, they have that last poop. <laughs> like I was just pretending that I wasn't going to have yeah, that. Yeah, hold it in. Yeah. <laughs> Squeeze. Hold it in right for the very end. That's that That's that look of triumph that I see at the end of every Yeah, it's like I didn't shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that Yes, I, I guess I ask about the face because... Well, I, I also went and saw you skate live, but I was not close enough to see mm. your face, but I saw your bod. Yeah. And so that is also very emotive. But, you know, on... Uh, on TV, it's, it's that was another thing that I think was really impactful for folks is, like, you looked happy. To mm. me, you looked happy. You looked, like, stoked to be there. And I think another thing that's very important is when we see queer folks, like, excelling and also enjoying it. Yes. I think one thing that I learned, especially at the Olympics, is that it's really, it's more of a performance than it is a competition at, sure. the, at the Olympics. And um, I knew I wasn't going to win. Um, and I knew that my best chance to get a medal was in this team event. And we weren't a favorite to win in that either, but we were favorite to medal. And I knew that like what I remembered at the Olympics were the people who had those moments. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to take a moment to really celebrate for myself and for those other people, especially at the Olympics. It felt like I was skating for more than just me. I felt like I was the last person on the list of who I was doing it for. Um, to go to the Olympics was such like a dream for me, but with all of the media that was, I felt like around me at the time, uh, it felt like it wasn't really my moment. It was like so many other people's moments. And I remember like at the end of my performances, like I knew I was going to skate well because I had trained to skate well. And so if I were in practice, I'd be like, okay, cool, like take a lap. <laughs> and it, fe it felt just like that, but I reminded myself to take a moment to celebrate, even if I felt like, okay, just check. Yeah. Um, because it felt like it was for other, more people than just me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely saw that. That's for sure what I saw. That's exactly <laughs> what I was asking about. So that's so cool that, that you had that awareness of the moment. It's crazy to think I was like so present. Yes, it is. Um, because I, I, I can't believe that I was so present because I'm so scattered. Like, well, if, also because that would be overwhelming for anybody. Yeah. So I think it's easy when you're overwhelmed to maybe. You know, I like, don't know if zoom like, up in the sky. And you know, just if be you've ever done like a, a special, like a a special or something, yeah. or when you're recording like your album. Yes. And it's probably is it in front of like a smaller audience. Or did you ever do something where it was like, you know, you have like, if you sell out a theater, but you have like a theater that's only like 50 people or something like that. That's what the Olympics is like. It's this full arena. Half of it is completely empty because all the media people have a desk. Oh so my God. it's like if you've ever competed at a nationals or a world championships, you go, it's a full arena of like 10,000, 12,000 people. You go to the Olympics. It's just like 3000 on one side, completely empty on the other side. Oh, I had no. Oh, thank. Thank you so much for telling me this. This is so interesting. You know what that sounds like to me is actually, um, is actually t doing stand up for television mm. because when you're doing stand up for television, there is a studio audience, but depending on how it's set up, sometimes the audience is like on Conan, for instance, just the audience is very far away. Yeah. And so you're actually performing for the camera. Yes. Um, which is, and it's going to look on TV really different than it felt in the room. So sometimes you're, because of that that physical space, 
and how that's not how stand up is usually set up. Sometimes you're not even really getting laughs. Oh. And so you are out there like, I mean, I have had the experience of like, I'm out there sweating being like, <laughs> I can't believe I'm dying on national television. Then like it airs, <laughs> it looks like you crush or whatever. Yes. On James Corden, the audience is really, really close in front of you. And so it feels like a normal stand up show. But every other thing I've ever done for TV uh, ha- has nothing to do with the people that are there in it front of you. It feels like, so at the Olympics, you go into the arena, they've taken out the first 10 to 15 rows of seats so that the um, audience is elevated above where oh all the athletes God. are. So they've taken out so many seats so that security is tighter. Oh, wow. And then half of the arena is completely empty. It's not wow. people are there, but everybody, every media outlet has their own workspace and desk. So wow. for every like 10 people, it's one desk. Can you tell me, do you have an awareness of where the cameras are positioned? Um, I know where two main cameras are. There's two main cameras on like um, the uh, lengthwise of the rink in the middle. So those might be the closest thing to you, like the cameras and the camera people. Yes. And then security. Mm-hmm. So, so we usually yeah. have like, uh, so when we work, I don't compete anymore, but when I was competing, you'd go, especially at the Olympics, you go, you go in, there's like NBC is watching, like you walk in the door, you have a camera on you when you're warming up, when you walk in the bathroom, when you walk out of the bathroom, like everywhere. Um, I've seen those, I've seen those feeds. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. What about, where are the judges? Judges are all on one side of the rank lengthwise. Are they on the very, are they closest to the ice? They are literally like there's that, the wall around the rink, their desk is on the wall. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they're right next to the ice. Do you know them from your life competing? Well, you know, what's funny is like I uh, went to the Olympics at 28, but then, you know, like the teammates I went with, the two other men on the team with me were 17 and 18. Right. So I, you know, I remember being 17 and 18. You're like the judges. <sighs> but by the time I was 28, I had, you know, 10 more years with a lot of these judges because in skating, it's really common where like you'll ask for feedback and you talk with them and you get to know them a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I felt like sort of being like a bitch <sighs> where like I'd be on this official practice and everybody's focused and they're trying to like perform in front of everybody. And I'd like skate around really slow and be like, Hey, good morning. You know, to kind of talk to them and it kind of threw everybody off. And my coach is like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You're acknowledging that they're people that you know, yes. and have talked to in the past. I would imagine that that's true just because how can you not, if, if you've spent years and years with people. Right. And also I think maybe for people that aren't in your world, it wouldn't necessarily occur that, that it's like, it's a small world, right? I mean, yes. stand up is a small, you know, everybody. It's mm-hmm. like, I think sometimes people like, I'll get a, a question about like, do you, have you ever, have you ever seen like this person's special or something? And I'm like, yes, but I also actually know them. Right. <laughs> and here's their phone number. And I was at their wedding, yeah. you know, like, cause I just think people forget that it's a, uh, it's just a, it's a field like any other field. And those are kind of like your colleagues or, yes, you know, whatever. So yeah, you've no, I mean, is that true? Also, I would imagine, imagine that's true of skaters for other countries too. Oh yeah. I mean like some of the best training facilities are like in the U S and Canada, um, in North America, because we have facilities open like year round in Europe. It's really common that, um, a facility will only be open in the winter time. And they'll shut it down in the summer. People from Europe love taking fucking breaks. <laughs> That's true. They're that, like, that is my experience of Europe. Yeah, yes, they're I like agree. 3 p.m. I need a fucking nap. 
I know. Um, also, paternity leave? We have it. Yeah, that's your <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They're like, no, we actually leave. Yeah. Yeah, we, we're yeah. like, oh. We think this is good for families. Yeah. We're like, we don't really care. You're anyway, like, can't yeah. she just have the baby in the bathroom? <laughs> yeah. She can be on a call. And go right back to work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She could Skype. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's see what I want to say. I have so many fun questions. You were talking about being more closeted, being out, that transition. Yeah. In, as a performer, as a skater, um, as an athlete. When you started skating, mm-hmm. age? When did you Ten. Start? Okay, yeah. So um, some people when they're 10 are aware of what's going on with them gender sexuality-wise. Were you? No. Me neither. I have not a clue. I mean, I should have known. Like, the writing was on the wall, for sure. Like, what, what was the wall? What did the wall say? I had a diary. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Done. I had a diary. I, um, I don't know. Like, I used to wear, when I was really little, I used to wear, like, my mom's barrettes. And I, um, you know, it, I remember that the first time I ever wanted to perform in front of anybody, I told my mom, mom, I want you to invite the whole neighborhood and our whole family over. I want to have a talent show on our deck. And she's like, okay, well, what would your talent be? I said, I'm going to tap dance. I never took a lesson. <laughs> like, but, 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 you know, like God himself came down to me. He was like, but you should probably tap dance in front of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> How'd it go? I, we, my mom's like, we're not going to do that. Oh man. She's like, do you want tap lessons? I'm like, no, I'll just, you know. I, I'll do it I the day of. I know how to do this innately. Yeah, yes. we'll do it live. Like, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'll figure it out. What is it? Like, one, two, shuffle, step. It's not that hard, Kelly. I do think that this this still makes sense to me now. I actually have yeah. taken tap lessons, both as a child and as an adult, and I definitely cannot tap. I will go But I <laughs> think, let's take, yeah, I'm, okay, great. 100%. Because <laughs> uh, I'm sure that you will be good at footwork in a way that probably I won't, but I will be fun. So, uh, yeah. so that will be a nice part of, of our I, tap I, I still think I can tap dance and occasionally we'll do a bit of a performance of my own just for friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that was going on. You started skating your idea, family's idea, like something where like, what do you want to do? Or you're like, I need to skate. Um, so I'm from Pennsylvania originally. And uh, we have this minor league baseball team. And it was called the Red Barons. Now we have the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Yankees. But they have this uh, field that they would freeze in the wintertime. So they would freeze it over and you could go skate. And I remember that I was like, I am going to be fucking awesome when I go. And my grand vision was that I was going to wear blue jeans, a fleece jacket with like toggle buttons and a muff. And I remember telling my mom, like, I'm like, I'm, at this point, I'm like five or six. And I'm like, mom, where do you get one of those things that you put your hands in? She's like, where did you see that? I'm like, from here. And it's like a popcorn tin with a Victorian woman. I was, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> She's skating on like bones <laughs> down like the Potomac. I saw it from this videotape of the, of the song Jingle Bells. Which <laughs> that's what she's, that's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was, and my mom's like, you're not wearing a muff, you're wearing a ski suit. And so I was pissed off already. And then I, I skated, I was like, it's going to be great. It's still, you know, it's fine. Got on the ice, fell over and was like, I don't ever want to do this again. And so then uh, it wasn't until a few years later that uh, one of the girls in my class had a birthday party and I, it was at the, uh, at an ice rink that they just built. And um, I went and I just had so much fun. And I kept asking my mom, please, can I go back? Can I go back? Can I go back? So for my 10th birthday, uh, 
my mom signed me up for group classes, and then that's how I got really involved. Before that, were you doing any sort of like oh, sports or physical everything. activity or tennis, or art baseball? Stuff? Yeah. I even failed the swimming classes at Nichols Village. We had swimming levels, and I had to open my eyes underwater. Was not about it. Oh Failed the level. Couldn't get the stick at the bottom of the three foot pool. Look, I don't mean to out sports an Olympian, <laughs> but um, I'm, when I was a little kid, uh, so I had like glasses from two, and I also had really fucked up ears, so I had to wear earplugs. And I, you know, you have to, I had to take my glasses off. I also had crossed eyes. So I had to take my glasses off. I like had bad vision, crossed eyes, and I couldn't hear anything. But I. One of my favorite jokes yes. you've ever told is the <laughs> eye patch with the vignette of the farm. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, my parents would drop me off at swim lessons and we had like stations too. I was actually like a kind of a good swimmer just naturally, but I couldn't hear or see anything. <laughs> so I would go so in the water sorry. and I would, I would routinely get through several stations, but I was very little. And every day they would essentially groundhog me, groundhog day me and start me again. Like I would go through multiple stations, but I just was super confused because I couldn't <laughs> hear or see anything. And so would have to start at the beginning and then work my way back. And eventually my mom was like, you know, what level are you at now? And I was literally like, like zero, I think. Like, I think you know, but she was like, but you can, I, you can fully swim. So she had to come and intervene at her child who's like walking into a wall. Cause I just, but then put me in the water and I was like, boop, you know, yeah. like it just made more you were just very like athletically inclined. I was a little froggy. That was yeah. the one thing I that's I could make I could do the breaststroke. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Later in life. It's very um, telling. Isn't that fun yeah. to go, yes, I was a breaststroker. That was that's your writing the on the wall. Word for it, yeah. A breaststroker. Um Yes. So then you started doing this stuff and I you know, one thing that's interesting is when you're like a kid, you get involved in something that takes a ton of discipline. Mm. And it's also outside of school. Like sometimes if, like say you're a bas on the basketball team and like that's what you decide to go with, right. then you are a lot of times working with school kids. Even if you're doing something mm -hmm. like a travel team or whatever, it's people that you know. Who are you training with or who are you spending time with? Well, you know, it's really interesting because I think you hear a lot about, especially in like figure skating or gymnastics or a sport where it's especially in, in, um, an individual sport where you're like, the parents are crazy. Mm. Um, but it fosters that craziness because you put a parent who's uh, has no experience in a field and you make them a manager of somebody's career. Right. You choose where you train, you choose what coach you have. So it fosters this sort of insane mentality that you always should be looking to go somewhere or do something. And um, I remember... I was skating locally, but I was progressing and I would watch as many VHS tapes as I could find in our house and record skating on our, my VCR every time it was on. And um, I would learn from those. And then um, I did a competition in Philadelphia. And so when I was at that rink in Philadelphia, my mom picked up a brochure for this one Russian lady because my mom's like, they're good. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Little did she know they would hack the effing election. Ah, uh, dang, dang it. Dang it. We should have stopped them then. Yeah, yeah we weren't <laughs> thinking, but we went with them. And uh, so I started working with this woman in uh, Philadelphia. And she, I worked with her for the next 10 years. So I was out of school every um, Wednesday 
and would go to Philadelphia every Wednesday. And then later that turned, I would be out of school every Tuesday and Thursday. And then eventually I would do all my classes online. Mm. Uh, how long is that drive? It was uh, like 120 miles. Wow. So it was a solid like two hours. I mean, it wasn't in L.A. two hours where it's like sure. takes me two hours to get to Ralph's. Right, 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 right. Wow. I'm thinking about being the age that you were at the time in, you know, committing to anything that much. And that's that's really incredible that you knew yourself that well. It I was mean, just, just the first thing I was so passionate about. I, I didn't really know what passion was because, like, I, you know, I played all these different sports and I, I was okay. I wasn't awful, but I didn't enjoy them. I didn't. There was a moment when I played tennis where our tennis instructor said, who's the best tennis player in the world? And the only thing I was thinking about was I want a red Gatorade. Sure. You know, and so <laughs> I was like, you know, how, what's going to get me closer to the satisfaction of like a red Gatorade? So I was like, you are. And that's, of course, the correct answer. Yes. And he said, no, really, who is? Who's the best tennis player in the world? And I had no idea what he was. I was like, I, I don't know. Her? You know, somebody else. I guess other people at, do at this. At Birchwood but... Racquet Club and yeah. Clark Summit. Like, sure. I, maybe it's her. Um, and uh, he said, you know, if you really like tennis and it's something you're really passionate about, you'll learn about who the best players are. You'll want to watch all the games. You'll get really involved. You'll know all the famous tennis players. That's how you know you really like tennis. I never, you know, had no inclination to do that. But when I started to really involve myself in skating, which was around the same time I started taking tennis lessons, I started to do all of those things. And that's when I realized, oh, my God, this is my passion. I'm doing all the things my tennis instructor told me to do, but about skating. Wow, that is such a, yes. Yeah, if you're doing all the research and you know the history. I wanted to know And you give everything. a shit about it. Yeah. That's so funny. Yes. Wow, one time somebody asked me, what are your hobbies? And I said, queer shit? And they said, <laughs> this is a straight person. They said, that's not a thing. But based on your description, I am now going to say back to that person, Yes, it, it is, is a thing. This is my hobby, queer shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are wrong. I am right. Okay, so you said you were watching a lot of uh, VHS tapes, and I just have a follow-up question, which is, were you at all consulting the documentary The Cutting Edge during this time in your uh, life? Very briefly. Okay. Um, because I was trying to do anything I could. Yeah. And, you know, my favorite thing that I would do is, like, now to think about it is, like, we just watch things on YouTube. But my favorite thing is, like, I can picture, like, the whole – uh, set of where the VHS tapes were oh. and that I had like all of the tapes that were recorded and I had them in order of how important they were to keep oh that if God. it was just something that I didn't need to watch again it was okay and that's where I kept the roll of scotch tape Wow! and the roll of scotch tape was there because you know if like there's that toggle to keep um, the VHS from recording over but if you put the scotch tape over where that hole was you could record so I had I can like picture it now I had like my scotch tape over the non-important skating competitions it was wow. elaborate wow now I mean that's dedication this feels identical to what you're <laughs> describing when I was always uh trying out for basketball um, as a child, I would watch um, Michael Jordan's Playground, which is a videotape of Michael Jordan doing dunks. Mm. And I would watch that and go, look, there I am. That's me doing dunks. I can't wait to make the sixth grade basketball team. Jordan, I think I've done a mistake. And you know when I said it was so hot in here or so cold in here that it was too – now it feels as if we will perhaps lose consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> 
you think you could? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we, we, we may continue to talk. And please keep this in, by the way, because it's important for listeners at home to know that sometimes Jordan has to turn both the air conditioning on. off. And on yes. and off. And, and this is just what I'm like to it's work It's a with. metaphor. Difficult. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Okay, so when did you know that you were so serious about this, that this was what you were going to do with your um, career? I think by the time I was like 10 or 11. Oh, shit. Like, immediately. Yeah. I I knew it was something I just wanted to do because it was, it's expensive and it's really tough. And I'm one of six kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, for my mom to drive me out to Philadelphia, um, eventually I'd start living with, like, a family out there um, so that I could stay and practice the whole week. But my mom was like, you know, we're not going to do this unless you're really serious. Like, your schoolwork all needs to be done. You need to be doing this. And if you're not going to do it, I'm I'm not going to put this I'm going to put the same effort that you put in. And so I made sure all the time I did that. And that's kind of how I knew I was really serious about this. And when you're. So when you're a young man, I mean, were you being patrolled for your gender at this point? Like, I know, like, were people saying stuff to you? Were you getting comments or no? Uh, I think, uh, you know, at, at school, like I was only for I had like maybe two friends and one of them was like the overweight kid missing a finger. So it's sure. like me and him. So he wasn't really going to exclude me. Yeah. So we were just, you know, the kind of the misfits of the class. Um, and, you know, nobody really I remember bragging that I was only 42 pounds. Sure. Because I was like four feet tall. Sure. And everyone else is like growing up and I'm like, I'm only 42 pounds. <laughs> like, I wish I could brag about that now. Well, I will say 42 pounds on your frame, not, not super a, healthy. Right. Yeah, not, yeah. The, not the best. Not the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, at the height that you are now. Right. But <laughs> I have, I've grown past the point of being good at 42. What do you choose how do you know what to choose to wear? I guess that's another thing that I want to ask. Cause I'm asking, I'm thinking about like, you know, um, the beginning of this conversation, how harsh folks are mm. on dudes who might have like something we consider to be feminine going on. That there's a portion of your career where you're not out. Like, mm. are you trying to choose outfits? Uh, cost. What is the word? What's the word? The costume. Used in the costume. Yeah. Are you trying to choose a costume that makes you, like more butch? Are you not thinking about that? So what I tried to do, like when I was young, was just have things that were super classic skating. So Mm -hmm. that I was like, tried to be that cookie cutter version of like what the ideal figure skater was. I didn't try to do anything, you know, whatever. 
Um, but when I got older, I started to wear what I wanted and I was like, I got to get rid of these like puffy shirts. I hate them. I look like a bull, like a fool. Oh, I was trying to even think as you were saying that, what is the classic skating? The look? classic is velvet pants, uh-huh. big, flowy, puffy shirt, like pirate Seinfeld yes. shirt. Yes. yes. That's classic. That's like skating 101. Get your puffy shirt, get your velvet out. And you wear like... Later, in your, you were wearing more of like a, it's like a tight all over. Oh, yeah. And when I, and then when I got older, I was like, you know what? I, um, I needed things to distract me from like the high pressure situations. And one thing I found distracted me was when I wore like slutty costumes. <laughs> and I don't know why, but like I found that one, when you're in an arena, when you skate every day, it's freezing. But when you compete in an arena, it's hotter than hell. It's super hot. All the lights are down on you. They have tons of lights on, so it looks good on camera. And um, it gets really, really hot. I had no idea this was true. I assumed you were freezing cold. Thank you for telling me this. Oh, you get truth. Like (laughs) boiling hot. Okay, sure. Um, Sure. Because then you have like, you know, somebody's noni in the audience. They're like, it's too cold. Like, too cold. Yeah, yeah. And they don't want any nonis not to go. Right. So they, you know, keep like a, it's, we're very hot. So I got it. started to just wear like mesh. Uh-huh. And I all would cover up anything that they thought was like illegal, like a nipple or a belly button. It just, you know, it looks weird if you just have a belly button out, <laughs> you know, like everybody has one. Unless you have like a very cool belly ring that also has a little tiny figure skate on it. Think about it yeah. for future. I, with some like CZs in the skate. That's that's what I want yeah. for you. That's, I've always wanted that. <laughs> you know, I just haven't had the bravery. Yes. Now's your moment. You also wore, I'm thinking like, okay, all this happens. You go to the Olympics, you're getting this all this attention. And then was it the Globes? Was it the Globes? Harness. Globes? Uh, Oscars. Oscars. Yes. I mean, I really can't take much credit for that because I, uh, Jeremy Scott dressed me for the Oscars. And, uh, you know, Jeremy's crazy, but he's the nicest person I've ever met. Still insane. I'm insane too. So we got along. And, uh, you know, he, he had a bunch of different options for me. And, um, I kind of pick and chose from pick and chose. Yeah, pick and chose. You, you picked and chose. Yes. I picked and chose. Pick I decided. I decided to I pick dis- and choose. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I picked a few different things from a few different options he had, and um, I just thought the harness was cool. I didn't really think of it as like a statement. I just thought, you know, I'm going to the Oscar. Nobody's going to give a shit. Um, you know, I wasn't nominated for any performance, so I'm just going there. You know, I was invited to go and, and sit in the audience, which was amazing. Um, but I was like, nobody's going to really pay attention. I, so I wanted to wear something that I thought was like reminiscent of a skating costume and, and was just fun. And then, you know, I, it ended up getting a lot of attention, but it was just something I thought was cool. How did that attention feel? <sighs> like if your intention was just like, I look cool or whatever. It was, gr- yeah, was it the felt intention great. positive? Yeah, like- it was totally positive. I mean, like I just, I, I thought what I... I was super comfortable in what I was wearing. So whether the people liked it or they didn't like it, um, it didn't matter to me. But I think that um, the reaction of a lot of people was that, oh, that's really cool and something that you wouldn't normally do at the Oscars. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, we're seeing um, dudes walk carpets and different stuff. And I mean, I hate to, you know, call you out in this way, but I think you may have ushered that in accidentally, which is cool. I mean, obviously- 
Prince exists and, right. and was doing some stuff. But I just mean you wearing that on the carpet definitely mattered. I, I think like um, – you know, me wearing the harness and a lot of like other people, yes. um, what, what, how they kind of push that, uh, what is classically male, uh, you know, it's, it's so, uh, I was always jealous of like the women, they go and they have these gorgeous gowns and they're mm-hmm. different cuts and this and that. And, you know, for a man, it's like, for a man, it's a, a tuxedo and what color is it going to be? Is right. it going to be like off black or black? Will or, it be a bow tie or would it be a regular tie? Yeah, exactly. Will he wear a vest? <laughs> what about no tie? Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it was like, it's just a, kind of a twist. And then now you see like, you know, a lot of people pushing um, super other you know, other boundaries. You see like Billy Porter on the, at the Billy Oscars. Billy Porter obviously killing it. I mean, amazing. The the Oscars gown, the top half of like- Incredible. T- so incredible. Let me ask you a question that about, in your, in your, in how you feel in your body, mm. and I understand that this is all made up stuff. Yeah. But like on a spectrum of masculine and feminine. Mm. Feminine. Feminine, yeah. Yeah. Um, on a scale of masculine and feminine, what does a harness feel like to you? masculine. Yeah. It just felt like, um, you know, I think like as an athlete, you have this, like, uh, you need to be able to like roll around in the mud. And if you don't have that mentality, then I, I, I don't think that's a masculine or feminine trait being able to get dirty. Cause I think right. as an athlete, you need to be able to get dirty. You need to be able to not be pretty. And if you have that, you're able to kind of go the extra mile. Mm-hmm. And I think like in that, for me personally, it felt like, I'm in, like, I look badass. Yeah, you did look badass. What about you as a human walking through the world? If you, if there is a scale and there isn't, mm. but like, if there is, because that's, do you feel masculine or feminine? I, I think I'm, I, I have effeminate traits. Like I, this is a purse <laughs> that I brought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I have, I, I, I have a tote yeah. that I carry around. But as a person, I feel um, like if there's a scale from one to 10, like maybe, uh, Five is let's uh, we're making the scale now. Yeah, it's a it's a these are hypothetical scales. Yeah, that, so five is maybe like uh, non-binary. Let's sure, see that. Ten is completely masculine. One, no, let's do let's not uh, let's be a feminist. Ten is completely feminine. Yes, the highest yeah, number. Right? That's right. Masculine is a, a, a one. Yes, I would say that I feel like I'm a two or three. So what I love, I mean, the reason I'm asking that is because it's so interesting. You know, our perception of ourselves can sometimes differ from other people's totally. perception, right? So I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. But I think that's one reason that, you know, just thinking about a very small thing like that harness and like, why does that cut through? And it's yeah. like a two wearing the clothing that you usually, you know, think of with an eight or whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or like a, or a, I just think that there's some, um, or a two with a three, like then we when we don't just fall directly where people want us to, right? You know, or where somebody puts on you. You know, it's so funny. Exactly like what you said. It's like we don't realize the perception that of other what other people have of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I'm like burping up my cold brew. Well, what um, I've done is I've <laughs> given you I've given you acidic drinks. <laughs> That will definitely cause a reaction. And then I've said, now speak. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I, um, you know, it wasn't until the Olympics that I really realized that people had this perception that like, they're, they're like, you are so sassy and you are so fabulous. And I was like, yes. Yeah. And wow. 
and then I kind of take a step outside of myself. I'm like, yeah, I do. There are qualities to me like that, but that's not how I perceive myself. God, that's so interesting. I feel, you know, I... Even, like, to go back to, like, Billy Porter, yeah. he's in that gown. I think a lot of people would be like, Adam, you, you're you going to wear the gown next. And, um, and that doesn't feel like me. I would not be comfortable in that. Mm-hmm. It's not something I would, it's not something I would be, like, Billy Porter looks amazing in that because he owns it. He also could be wearing these mics instead of the gown and the wires around his neck, and he would own that. Um, I don't, I wouldn't own that the same way. Cause that doesn't feel like me. Yeah. I, t- I hear you. I mean, I feel, I totally feel like I don't, I don't know what I, when I cut my hair, you know, I used to have like long hair on one side. And when I cut it, I was losing like two inches of hair. Cause it was such an asymmetrical haircut. Like, <laughs> it could not have been less hair, but, um, it changed how I saw myself so much. It also changed how I was like received in the entire universe, mm. but it changed how I saw myself. Cause I really always thought, I don't know. One time my therapist was talking, this is like years ago. And my therapist was telling me like, but like someone butch like you, it's like, when I was literally like, bleh, bleh, like what? Excuse like, I just was me? like, yeah. I am. Yes. I'm wearing a leather jacket. Yes. <laughs> I have boots on. Yes. I have a deep voice. Yes. I have a commanding presence, but I believe yeah. the word you're looking for is high femme. You know, like <laughs> it's just, it's just so weird, yeah. you know, like trying to exist in the world at all and figure out what you're supposed to wear. Yeah. So, and you're, it's just, it's crazy when somebody analyzes you yes. from the outside. Cause you're like, excuse me. Yeah. It's, but you know, it's like when I came, when I came out to my friends, it like, wasn't a shock to anybody. And they're like, you've been carrying around a, you know, a bowling bag as a purse for you know, three years. You know that, right? I bowl. Excuse me. And I'm, I'm like, this is for bowling. Excuse me. And my <laughs> pants don't look good when I have things in the pockets. <laughs> I'm just being efficient. Okay. Here's a question that, uh, you can totally tell me if you're like, nope, we're, I don't, but uh, I feel like dating, dating around after yeah. this happening to you after like sort of a very, like that was a steep climb yeah, it was to like, visibility. Yeah. <laughs> like I already knew who you were. I already knew the work that you're doing. Um, watching somebody that's just like on Nobody. your radar. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you think it's cool. Suddenly be like front page New York times with that. Mm. I just wonder, like, what the fuck did that do to the way you connect with other people? So, um, actually, I, uh, uh, I'm trying to tell this story well. So, like, maybe four years ago, I was dating somebody, and we, we broke up. And I, uh, and we broke up, and it, we were on good terms, but I really needed to, like, focus on the Olympics. And I wanted to give my whole self into this moment, and it just felt like I needed to do that on my own. And it felt selfish and I felt bad about it, but it was like, it was, it was the right thing to do for the both of us, especially in our relationship and everything. Um, but then, you know, for, then I was, you know, didn't see anybody for a while. And then as we were getting closer to the Olympics, I think for fun, I would go on Tinder and it's just so easy to just swipe and swipe. And so I was actually at an event at a competition in Finland um, the year of the, the season of the Olympics. So in October before that February, and, um, I matched with this guy from Finland. We never met, but he was very cute. Um, you know, I, I, like if you went on my Instagram before the Olympics, I had this random amount of followers where it was like, not 
like just your friends. It was like a rand, like sure. a, like a weird sort of like sure. on the cusp of maybe getting like a sugar bear hair endorsement. Sure. Like I was about 5,000 away. Sure. You know what I mean? It was like, maybe <laughs> McDonald's will reach out for like a local thing. By the way, may I say those sugar bear hair vitamins are delicious like candy may or may not work. Yeah. I've gotten them as podcast promotion and I accidentally decided that they were delicious like candy. Oh yeah. So stay away slash or get them. You know you're what I mean? You're right, you're right, you're uh, right. Which, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then this podcast is presented by Sugar Bear Hair. Yeah, <laughs> stay away them, or get them. Yeah, stay away or get them, <laughs> yeah. depending on what you need. But yes, yeah, keep going. So he just thought I was some sort of like wannabe influencer. Like, you know, I posted pictures of like whatever. right. Um, but so he had no idea about like me skating or whatever, but we started chatting and, um, there was just this no expectation of us ever meeting. And it was just nice to talk with somebody. And, and I was, you know, included them on the events that I was doing and tell them like, Oh, I'm going to this competition and this, and we're getting ready. And I really hope I make it to the Olympics and, um, all of that. So, I got to really know this person pretty well without ever having met them. And so then that escalated from like a few messages here and there to like, we obviously were in different time zones. So then we would start to send like longer videos of us talking and answering questions that we would ask. And it'd be like sometimes like 10 to 15 minutes of just like, whoa. Yeah. And um, that happened. And I remember talking to this guy all throughout, um, the preceding competitions to Olympics. And then I, you know, get to the Olympics. And I remember the last message that I sent him before I went to the village. And I was like, you know, I'm going to the village today, blah, blah, blah. Cause when we go, when we went to Korea, we went to this um, city called um, Chungcheong and it was outside of um, Pyeongchang. Ooh, <laughs> mouthful. Yeah. And, um, when I was in Chungcheong, we were just going, you know, it's out of the village. There's no media. So it's, it can be pretty quiet. So my coach was like, go to the village, you know, go to the village. You don't need to be here anymore. Um, I remember that last message. And then literally within the next one or two days, everything changed. And uh, we didn't talk a lot during that Olympic time because I was just so busy, but I got one message from him and he was sending, he still sent me messages like very continually, like we would normally do. And I was like, does he even know what's like going on? That's like, does wild. he even know yeah. what's happening? And he sent me one message where he was like, I know everything is getting crazy. Um, but I kind of feel like it's important for me to keep sending videos like I normally would. Oh, that is nice. And so then, um, we ended up, I, I was always planning on, um, you know, if, maybe we would meet somewhere or the, after the Olympics, the world championships were in Milan. And I was thinking, Oh, maybe we'll just meet in Milan. Um, but then after Olympics, I was like, I'm done. Like, I, I don't think I can do another competition after that. It just, everything went according to plan. Mm. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to Milan anymore. And then he was like, well, maybe I'll come to LA. So we had been talking for like six, seven months at this point. And so he came to LA and then, um, We've been dating ever since. And he's been here? He goes back and forth between Finland and L.A. And so he does real estate. So when he's over here, he can work on the phone and stuff. And he flips apartments and he buys different properties and flips them and turns them over. I am so happy for you that that is the story. Of Isn't that yes. really, like, beautiful? It really is. I feel very lucky that I had 
uh, that I got to meet somebody in the it, yes. before, during, and after because they yes. got to really know who I was. That is such a different. Um, you know, I've had this realization this year of how many of the people that I have dated um, or been with, been partnered with, are people that have met me in really close proximity to seeing me perform. Mm-hmm. Like, either they knew me as a performer first. And then I met them and felt comfortable with them and it was felt normative to me or there was somebody we started dating and then they like almost immediately saw me work. Right. And it, um, it actually kind of sucks. Yeah. I don't love it. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that, but like, I'm a really different person off stage than I am on stage. Me. I, I mean like in, in this setting of like, you know, you're, you know, we're having fun and we're showing yeah. our personalities and stuff. But like when I go home, I, you know, I want to play like, um, you know, gardenscapes on yeah. my iPad mostly. Yeah. You like know? I, I'm like, um, I'm actually pretty quiet. Me too. <laughs> I really love to read and I really love to. You lost me there. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. How about audiobooks? Love that. Okay. Yeah. I really love, I love to, to listen. listen. Yeah. Um, that's honestly way more accurate. Yeah. Okay. I really love to listen. I, um, I really love like having, I love cooking. Like I love things that have nothing to do with. I hate going out. I don't. I really give off the vibe where they're like, you love to fucking party. Yeah. And I, I don't. <laughs> like, I really oh give off. Oh, my God. I really, I really feel, I feel you so hard. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, oh, my God, we got to go out. I'm like, no, I'm, maybe. Yeah. Maybe one day. Also, there are some requirements that come with my job that I feel are requirements. And I think for other people with other personality types might feel like fun. Yeah. But they don't feel like fun to me. Um, it doesn't mean I like am a dickhead in those situations or that I don't do them ever. But um, it's not my like default. And I, this is just something I'm li- I'm like literally realizing about myself in this year. You know, like yeah. where for such a long time I've been going to things and being like, why are you all pretending this is fun? And then yeah. I realized, oh, this is fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is a we're different. You know. And um, anyway, I think that. Like, I, I don't like red carpets. Yeah, it's I really... don't like events. Mm-hmm. If I could just um, not. Yeah. I, I would. Um, yeah. You know, I uh, my my publicist is always like, you got to go to this thing. And you don't know who's going to be there. I'm like, Susan. Yeah. <laughs> come on, lady. I mean, and you can do the, like, cost-benefit analysis and make the decision to go. Yeah. You know, but that doesn't mean that it... F- suddenly is fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it yeah, just, it's not my, it doesn't change I, it's the not, experience. Yeah. I'm not like, Oh my God, I'm so looking forward to this thing. It's not me. It's like, I, if I had to choose uh, my best friends, I have the best time with them when we're over at their house or they're over at mine. That's, that's my ideal version of a, that's my way to was live. Like, that's my what way do you want to do for your 30th birthday? I was like, I want you know, my best friends to come over my house and for us to just like watch Netflix and like try to make cocktails at my, in my kitchen. That That's great. all I want. That sounds very good. What a great party that sounds like. Yeah. And I think also there's, um, you know, it's, it's weird when the thing that you chose because you love the thing. Yes. Suddenly means that there's all this stuff around it. That isn't why you were like, driving to Philadelphia. Like you weren't driving to Philadelphia. You were, you know, driving there to be an athlete, to mm. train and, and then this other stuff comes with it. And that's, 
I'm just, I'm really happy for you about that story that you told now that I know that this is, you know, who you are. I think that's awesome because I think it can be very, sometimes it seems like you go across a line and um, if you become visible enough, which you like have, then the friends that you meet in that zone, the people you start dating in that zone are always going to- Different. They're going to know a different part of you first. The best thing that ever happened to me was that I was at the Olympics at 28 and that I missed the team twice. Um, because at 24, if I had gone at 24 or at 20, I would have had a skewed version of myself. I wouldn't have known myself as well as I did at 28. Cause when at 28, I realized, you know, the Olympics is just, a, you know, a, a vacation that you go on <laughs> that, you know, is on TV, <laughs> you know, it's like love Island for athletes. Oh my God. So, you know, you just, it's just on TV. It, you just go, you know, I, I remember going into the, the village for the first time you stay in the Olympic dorms. You're like, this is what I've waited for my whole life. It's a, a brand new, it was a brand new apartment building covered in plastic because they didn't want any of the athletes <laughs> touching the floor because they were all brand new units. Oh so I'm like, I'm staying in a two bedroom apartment with five people. Like <laughs> that's what I waited my whole life for. <laughs> I could have done that in like Pasadena. <laughs> what about, oh man. So, I mean, to me, it feels like, first of all, I love your ad. Well, I want to ask two questions. Number one, I love that you're saying that now, but at 20 and 24, mm. did it feel like that? No, at 20 and 24, it felt like this, the whole world. Life like, is over. Famous. Oh. That's what it felt like. Wait, say that again? Famous. Yes. But like, <laughs> wait, how did it feel that way? It felt, I think like, go, the, like going to the Olympics. Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. Like, Got it. Oh, like athletes. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Hottie. Got you know, it. Like, <laughs> so now- when you do a, when you work on a skill that's at this level, but also has like a, is skewed way towards youth, mm. um, what, what do you have planned in your mind for like what How you How will want? you defeat the youth? Mm, yeah. Number one, <laughs> how do you kill off the youth? No. Um, but more so just like, I hear you say like that. I'm not, I like, I didn't want to compete again because it went unbelievably well. And I wonder what you're doing with your mental space in being now, the other side of that. I think, uh, so, uh, you know, it's funny. I've had so many, I have many friends who are medalists and some who are Olympic champions. And um, they all said, you know, that moment where you stand on the podium is like that moment you've waited for your entire life. I've heard that a million times in a different, in different you know, hearing athletes speak of their experiences. And by the time I got to the Olympics, I had already done everything for myself and my career that I didn't, it wasn't um, imperative that I have this Olympic experience. It almost felt like it was, it felt like completely something different. When I was on the podium and had that moment, I could look down to my family and to my coaches and I realized that it was a moment for them. It was a moment for them to celebrate all the ups and downs that they went on with me. Mm. But the moment I had waited for my whole life was really that moment of where I could kind of share who I was with the world. It felt so different to oh my, my experience as an athlete. I felt like being an athlete, it made sense because it was like, why? I don't, I, I've never, I felt always more comfortable, like performing in front of people and engaging and making people laugh. Like that's what I felt always so comfortable doing. And then finally, like being an athlete and being at the Olympics, it all made sense. And I was like, oh my God, I, 
almost feel weird that I'm an athlete here. <laughs> and I think that's kind of how I reasoned it to myself. So then you're just at the beginning. I truly feel like I'm at the, I feel I've had this feeling before and it's felt like, you know, when I've been in stages of my like athletic career, but now I, I feel like I'm at the beginning. I don't feel like, what do I do now that I've had the biggest moment in my life? Cause it didn't, it felt like the beginning of something. Yeah. That's so clear to me in the way you're speaking. And that's, that's, that's awesome. I think sometimes when huge mega successes like shifted front then I just I just like worry about them like yeah how are you gonna um but I've also seen <laughs> what are you gonna what do you, how, how are you gonna deal with this emotionally not yeah. even like what are you gonna do next which I think is like the big question but it's just like how are you what are you gonna do I don't know I mean this is such a small version of this but the coming home from a big tour mm -hmm. the day it's not a small version it's exactly the same thing the day after there's this moment of like I have no idea right. what to do. And then it's like, call a friend. Like, it's like <laughs> the solutions are not actually like these huge mega solutions. No. It's just kind of like live. But I'm sure you have that feeling of like, you've you've performed a big set on television and yeah. then you're like, I have no jokes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was it. Flush it down the toilet. <laughs> yeah. I have no, <laughs> yeah. I don't even have a medal. I didn't, they don't give you a medal when I you know. do that. Well, let, let me know your next special. <laughs> I'll send you one. Please. Yeah. I'll make you a trophy. Please do. Adam, it is, I, f I feel so well, okay. I feel so proud of you. Oh, thank you. Just as a stranger. Just stranger really, no more. Yeah, as a new friend. I feel very proud of you um, that you've been able to stay so um, yourself throughout all this. I think that would be really hard, and I'm, I'm really happy for you. And before I send you back into your day, mm -hmm. I just wanted to ask you to shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing may you feel like you can be who you are today. Mm, I have a few queeros. Lay them on me. Um, my first queero is uh, Ellen DeGeneres. I know her. I mean, no, I don't actually know her. Yeah. That's the <laughs> one comic that eludes me. <laughs> um, I just, uh, I think what she's done so well is that like so many people focus on, um, you know, she has made her relationship with her wife so the least important part about her that um, to the people who are against um, LGBTQ plus rights, they still love Ellen and they don't know why. And she's put this spell over them where she's like, well, this is just my wife. And she's made it so normal that um, she hasn't made it the she's very um, sneakily snuck into the people and really influenced a lot of people to help a lot of other people, even without knowing it. And um, I think that's why she's a, she's a hero of mine. And then I also think that um, the cast of Will and Grace, they're mm. queeros of mine, too, because it was the first time I saw like queer people on television. Yeah, well. Ugh. I mean, I feel the same way about Ellen. I did not watch Will and Grace as it originally aired. I don't know why, but it's one of those shows that you can come I only back saw to it later. like, yes, it is. It's always timeless. Um, but there were like, I, I never watched it religiously, um, but it was like one or two episodes where like I saw, you know, um, Will and Jack and I was like, what are those? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Those are loud men. Yeah, they are loud men. Yeah. yeah. Turn their mics down or yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Either way, depending on what you want. Sugar bear hair. Well, sound, yeah. sound check them, yeah. you know. So definitely you know, make sure Level they're... balance. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait to see all the things you do in the future. And moi. 
Come on.